You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve. No, I'm Matt. And we're a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers and behind the scenes. We are closing out our January Orion month. This is not our dumping ground. Okay, folks, we just wanted to have some fun in January. You you, you were you were just looking to uh, get some Orions in. Yeah, so you were really feeling this one. So, and I was excited too cuz why not explore such a unique company? And, and talk about some movies that don't get talked about that much. Yeah, this is definitely one I didn't even know it existed. So introduce to the listeners, what did we pick? We picked Wolfen. Is it on? Your attention, please. Can you help us find this man? William Ferguson is a 32-year-old Caucasian, 6 feet 4 inches tall, brown hair, closely cropped beard. It is believed Dr. Ferguson has information crucial to a police investigation. They can hear a cloud pass overhead. They can hear your heartbeat and the rhythm of your blood. They can track you by yesterday's shadow. They can see what you do before you do it. They can tear the scream from your throat. They can give pain beyond imagination. Wolfen. There is no defense. With uh, Albert Finney from 1981, a wolf horror movie. Uh, one of the four wolf horror movies that came out in 1981. <laughs> yes, very popular time for wolf movies. But is this a werewolf movie? Question mark. We'll find out. Yeah. More at 10. <laughs> I do love that Albert Finney, Scrooge himself, or Daddy Warbuck, whichever you want to call him, uh, is in this. I always love it when we get a Brit who's playing a New Yorker. Yeah, it's fun. I like his voice in this one. <laughs> yeah, this movie more than other ones where he tries an American accent. I can really tell this one. I was like, yeah, you're doing good. You're doing fine. Passable. But you're totally not from New York. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but they surrounded him with New York characters. So awesome. I like that. I feel like um, this was distributed by WB. So this is obviously after the fall of Orion. But I do like I like this New York feel of Orion. I love this. This is fun. Yeah, this is actually isn't after the fall. This is before anything. This is the beginning of Orion. Oh, um, no, no. I'm sorry. The The tape I have. Uh, after yes but the movie itself did come out through warner brothers as well because it says when the orion logo pops up distributed through warner brothers so it uh oh you're, really? you're t- yeah so i think that's where they started and then they went on their own um and now it's all come back full circle and now this movie is back with warner brothers oh okay so it looks like orion maybe started off as a production company had other people distribute it then became both yep and then you know sold after the fall Mm -hmm. oh man we should really get someone 
to come up with a documentary of the, f- you know, obviously we did this with Electric Boogaloo uh, with Canon and C- Canon was outrageous and everything, but I would love to see one on Orion. Yeah, even if it was just like a 30 minute one or, an, you know, it doesn't need to be a big full feature, but just like track the beginnings like this and go all the way through to the uh, fall after like the Desperately Seeking Susans, like the 1986 fall, the rise again with RoboCop and then the fall again in the 90s (laughs) and then the rise again with the new movies they're putting out today. That would be fun. This is such a fun uh, story, I think. Well, we could see if there's a fun story involved. I'm sure there is. Uh, It's not going to be as good as canon. No, because they were nuts over there. (laughs) But it would be, I think, interesting enough. And you're right. 30, 45 minutes. That'd be fun. Or maybe, you know, how they make these documentaries on Netflix of how did this get made and the toys that made, you know, all that stuff. Not how did this get made. But that's a podcast. I'm an idiot. But uh, the toys that made us and the movies that made us and all that. Uh, This would be fun if we could find someone to do this. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. But if somebody else wants to go do it and I can watch it, I would love that. (laughs) No, I prefer to have uh, a paycheck uh, and documentaries don't make much money from what I understand. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Maybe we can reach out to someone and get an interview from someone that worked at Orion. I don't know. Yeah. Might as well try. Fuck it. The worst I can say is no. Yep, exactly. I was like, okay, well, fine, I'll go about my day. Not heartbroken. Actually, I am. <laughs> it broke my heart. So let's go over our history on it. Me? None. Never even heard of this. But as soon as I mentioned it, you were all over it. Because I've also never seen this, and I wanted to see this. Uh, I rented it because of the cover at some point when I was uh, a kid. Um, but I, I think I did it when I was younger, younger. And when it was kind of an older thing, cause they shot this in the seventies, it didn't come out till 81, but they shot it in the seventies. When I saw it was like an older thing. I just really wasn't into that when I was younger. So I ended up not watching it. So I, it was finally time for me to go and sit down and actually see this one. I love the cover. We'll talk about it in a second. So like I, I, I knew this one was on my radar for a long time. So it was finally good to sit down and actually watch it. Yeah, the cover is great. So if we're walking down the video store, you know, looking for monster flicks, you know, we've got a wolf on the front of this, this wolf face with the mouth wide open and then the really cool scratched out wolfen font. Uh, yeah, all of the covers that I see for this film seem awesome. Yeah, the even the theatrical poster where it's like the wolf eye with the moon and it has like that great tagline where like they can sense the rhythm of your blood and everything like that uh yeah all the all the marketing for this movie very cool very very cool yeah the tagline on this one sucks it just says wolf and there is no defense i was like uh okay but the other one the original one is much better or at least much more interesting uh, yes. Um, little let's see we got here. Uh Warner Brothers hits at the top. We've seen these, but we've got they can hear a cloud pass overhead, the rhythm of your blood. Why don't you just say they can hear the rhythm of your blood? Why they can hear a cloud pass overhead? What huh? I think it I think it's a poem. I think the tagline is like a poem or something. Oh, they can track you by yesterday's shadow. They can tear the scream from your throat. <laughs> 
That's the best one. They can tear the scream from your throat. That's awesome. The rest of it, I don't really care about. I like the I like the sense of the rhythm of your blood. I think that's in a Rob Zombie song. Also, I think they sampled a trailer where they say that in a song. Just oh, cool. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah, I like. I, I think it is like a poem or something like that because they say it in the trailer as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm certainly not going to look it up because I don't feel like <laughs> learning. Uh, also, I when I went over the IMDb research and a little bit of Wikipedia, I didn't see anything on it. So I was like, I, OK, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to go that far into Wolfen. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the tagline where the tagline originated from, I guess, doesn't really matter. But <laughs> yeah, we turn it over to the back and we've got a quote here, a shocker and a chiller of rare force. Some type of entertainment by Charles someone from los angeles the the top of the tape's a little damaged but i got the full quote (laughs) uh speaking of reviews did just sidebar did you see that roger ebert gave this movie like three and a half out of four stars when this came out yeah he really liked it he really liked this one there are a lot of people who dig this film yeah i saw the rating on imgb was pretty high it was like 6.7 or something like that 6.5 uh, something like that, which is high for a horror movie and especially like a horror movie that people don't talk about. It's kind of a high rating. I think people do that have seen this do really like this. I just think the problem is that not a lot of people have seen it. People have no clue what this is. I think you have to pay to rent this. I don't think this is streaming anywhere. Yeah. When I looked it up, I think it was just three ninety nine on like YouTube and all your rental yeah. services or whatever yeah i didn't see this on anything unfortunately so if you guys don't know what it's about why don't you tell them what the description is okay it's a little long so here we go a real estate <laughs> tycoon his coke binging wife and a slum wino have something grisly in common they're the latest victims in the series of random murders world weary nypd detective Dewey Wilson, who's played by Albert Finney, soon suspects the killings may be supernatural and deliberate. Ages old beings of cunning intelligence and incredible power, defending their turf from the encroachments of humankind. So that's the end of the first paragraph. What's hilarious about this is so much of this is squished in that they changed the font size for the encroachments of humankind. To fit it in, that's hilarious. Yes. Very <laughs> odd, because they've got it squeezed between three um, screenshots here. I, very weird how they laid this out. Using a Steadicam camera and a Lumi crane? Hmm, Lume crane? To simulate the Predator's perspective, director Michael Waldley of Woodstock. That's the documentary on Woodstock, by the way, if anyone's ever seen that. It's incredible. Um, he achieves an awesome combination of mystery and menace in New York City, never captured on film before. He is able aided by the work of Gary Fisher, cinematography, award winners Paul Silbert, production design, and James Hoyner of the score, and and deft performances by Finney, Gregory Hines, Diane Vernora, and Edward James Olmus. Wolfen is a full-fanged, full-throttle horror ride. You'd have to actually see this. I wish I might have to take a picture of this. How this like sit here and goes from left to right, but it's blocked by a photo. Then it goes over here. 
So he is able aided by the work of Gary Fisher. That's what I was trying to get out. Mm-hmm. But just where it breaks is odd. Yeah, I uh I I like that Warner Brothers does the thing where they do like the behind the scenes in a paragraph or whatever, but I do think it just becomes then too much on the back of these things. Yeah, I hope I pronounce some of these people's names right. James Horner, I know. <laughs> I was like, okay, that <laughs> one's easy. But Paul Silbert Fisher, I've heard of Gary Fisher. Yeah, I think you I think it is Michael Wadley. I think that I think you were right. And yeah, I think that I think that was everybody. I think that's right. Uh, so yeah, there is something in red here. It says some music has been restored for the home video edition of this film. Now, what that is, is the DVD. So if you get this online, there is a song from the bar cutout. Correct. Uh, you, yes. Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Correct. It, Tom Waits song and his cameo are not in the DVD that I watched the streaming things and the original VHS release. Pretty good VHS. I got to admit we've, you know, Orion month started pretty rough with uh, desperately seeking Susan and something wild that those VHS sucked. But these last two one Wolfen and Robocop two pretty good. You're lucky because my Robocop two sucked and I got rid of it because of, because <laughs> of the same reasons, the EV mode and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I had that problem with mine. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell everyone that this was this failed. It definitely did. Even though there were a lot of critics who liked it, you know, seventeen million dollar budget didn't even make eleven at ten point six million according to Wikipedia and IMDb. You know, and I get why this is a slow burn. Yeah, this was much delayed. Uh, it was like a year delayed from when it was finished because of reshoots. Uh, the director turned in a four and a half hour cut of this movie and then was promptly removed from the editing room. <laughs> uh, so he did not finish the film. Uh, and director uh, John Hancock, I believe, was brought in to finish the movie with a couple of reshoots to tie things up. Um, and he did the let's scare Jessica to death if you guys are into the into those kind of movies uh he was brought in to finish it from the original director because of the four and a half hour and not being able to cut and uh having watched it now i still think there's room for some cuts yep yep i was gonna say let's see uh what do we got a runtime 114 minutes uh yeah i could get this i think they could get this down to easily 95 90 minutes yeah, absolutely. But the fact that they got it from four and a half hours down to this is it, and it makes sense is kind of a miracle in and of itself. So good that they got it down this far. But I think they could have even gone a little farther and tightened it up even a little more. Yeah, oh, I love how you say it still makes sense. And now it makes sense because there is part of me and watching this. I go, what the fuck is this? And even at the end, like, I get it. I just don't. I'm like, really? Even in the two minute trailer that came out for this movie there's a ton of footage that's not actually in the final cut that is in the trailer (laughs) yeah yeah so let's pop this tape in now available on video and dvd we get all warner brothers hits you know this whole compilation we've seen plenty of them this is one that i've not seen in a while it's a little bit different than the other ones but you know same thing, MGM, they all do these. Uh, right when these, you know, DVD was about to come out or during it, they uh, had to sell all these VHSs, you know, push these things. The last push of the VHS, really. 
to me feels like the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, absolutely. And this, yeah, those, those hits collections and the MGM Contemporary Classics where you see the banner across the top of the tape. Yeah, mm-hmm. these were pumped out like crazy in the 90s. Yeah, and this is 1999. So makes sense. Right before. Right, yeah, right before the DVD took over. Let's watch it. Feature presentation. And now, our feature presentation. Man, okay, so I do kind of like the beginning scene. I like these scenes where they feel like short films in a movie, but I will put a little bit of, you know, a warning on that to anyone, you know, maybe a uh, independent filmmaker or someone who's putting it's got to not slow down the movie, you know, like Scream when they did it with Drew Barrymore's character. It has to relate to the movie. This one does. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it's slow. Yeah, it definitely takes its time because this couple ends up getting attacked in the park by the wolf. And it's, uh, you know, uh, highly regarded in society, rich people that get attacked and there's a bodyguard that protects them. So the three of them get attacked. We are in the car with them. They're doing coke. They're drinking. They're talking like we could be. We could just start in the park. We don't need all the beginning stuff with them because the character building doesn't matter because they're not making it past the cold open. So <laughs> we could have just started in the park, honestly, or just show them partying for like one minute, snorting coke, drinking, stopping, and then kill them quick. I like even when they were showing someone like in the raptors or whatever around the bridges i don't know what it was but i think you see edward james olmus at at one point at the beginning yeah he's up on the bridge and i think they're trying to get you he's kind of the red herring for the movie spoiler um they want you to think he's the werewolf pretty early on so i think that's why they show him on the bridges and there's a whole story in the movie that these Native Americans that are working in Manhattan have to work on these bridges and that's what they choose to do. And they stay up there and they hang out on the bridges and stuff after they're done working on them and things like that. So this is this whole subplot within the movie. And they're trying to, I think, like I said, set up that Edward James almost is our werewolf. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. That's kind of like when I saw this at the beginning, and then I figured I was like, oh, this is kind of like a detective whodunit. And my thought was, man, I hope it's not him, because what's the point of having a whodunit if you introduce who's done it at the very beginning? So thank you for using him as a red herring and <laughs> not making this movie like insanely obvious. Yes, because it deeply, deeply is like a whodunit crime mystery movie, which I had no idea. Because I didn't read the back. I just liked the cover. So I watched it. Um, but I didn't read anything about it. I had no idea this was like a murder mystery crime movie. Uh, and it focuses heavily on that. I would say that this is more of a crime mystery thriller than a horror movie for sure. It's not a werewolf movie. It's not a it's not a horror movie. It's a it's a thriller whodunit detective yeah. thing. I, yeah. So marketing not very good on this in my opinion it there i would be so irritated if i went into this film thinking i was getting a werewolf film and coming out i'd have been like what the no damn it i'd be it would leave a pretty sour taste in my mouth i think the 
the only thing I will say to argue it is at least the the movie solid. Uh, you may not love it, but at least like the idea of the murder mystery thing works, I think, uh, for the movie. Yeah, solid as a thriller. But, you know, they were trying to bank on this whole werewolf run that we were on. At least that's what I'm looking at. Because if I was a marketing person and I looked at this, I'm like, how the hell am I going to, you know, market a a wolf, uh, a Native American spirit wolf, spirit wolf, (laughs) you know, thriller. Let's let's just make it look like a werewolf movie. But see, that pisses off your audience because that's going to spread. And, you know, even though a lot of critics liked it, I don't know. It may never have found... yeah, it's know. fan base, you know, I may never have found it because of that, though. Yeah, it, like the critics like it, sure, but like fans that may be into spirit Native American werewolf movies probably don't even know this movie exists. Yeah, I probably not. Uh, I, I, you know, going into the acting of this film, the performances, there are they're all good. You know, Albert Finney is just very watchable. Uh, you know, I love his little frown or when he's got his sad eyes he's just a really good actor yeah albert finney is is great in this movie he really is like i said i love his accent his new york accent uh (laughs) that it doesn't quite work but is it's very of this character it's very lived in so it still works uh i like the character who plays or the woman who plays the partner on this the one that is helping him solve this thing Gregory Hines is great in this. And then there's a whole slew of like great character actors that pop up in this one. Yeah, Gregory Hines is an actor that I wish I've watched more of because he's good. I could tell just watching him, you know, as this morbid mortician, I guess you could say uh, he's a I don't what is he? Corner morgue worker. He works in the morgue at the uh, police station. So, but he's more than that. He's like a researcher. He's a uh, helping them solve the crimes. He's, you know, this would be a character in one of these new CSI shows and everything like that. They're like, okay, we checked underneath the fingernails. We didn't find anything, yeah, but right. I found something very mysterious. This hair. I don't even know what it is. It's not even on my database. And you're like, oh, okay. Okay, so this, you know, this is this way before the CSI stuff. This is early criminal investigation, and I think they're playing it up because they take so much time to explain, like, the things they're using. Like, when it when it is, like, any of the autopsy scenes, they tell in, like, very specific detail what they're doing. And then when they have, like, the scenes where they're interviewing the suspects and they're telling about the thermal readings and stuff like that, it's very, like pre-CSI let's explain everything we're doing to hunt them down type thing yeah that's like I get why people like this I really do it can suck you in if it's done well and I thought this was done well the thing is is like watching this movie throughout you know minute one to the end there wasn't enough there was some stuff missing there's some good stuff in this film there's no doubt all like I said all the performances uh, even the the psychologist who comes in, which I find this hilarious. We have you know a psychologist in RoboCop two who's a bad guy, and now we have a psychologist come in who's well. Wait, is he? What was her title? Was it therapist? Psychologist? What was that? 
Oh, criminal psychologist. Okay. Yeah. So psych- I think she's a psychologist, but yeah, I was going to say she's like mind hunter, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. one of those Diane Venora. I looked her up. I couldn't remember her name. Uh, Broadway actor, just like Gregory Hines. They kind of came from the New York stage. And I think it's fun that they filled out the cast with a lot of stage people. Tom Noonan. We did a Tom Noonan double feature uh, yeah. with the RoboCop 2. Uh, he's another stage guy plus it's got great character actors in it we got reginald Vogue johnson is in it for a second mm-hmm. uh and we get uh james tolkien is in it as well he's one of the other guys that works in the morgue uh baldy um uh, <laughs> yeah a lot of great faces in this one how about that they just credited him they didn't even credit him as like bald scientist or whatever baldy they called him baldy so it's like all right that's his name <laughs> yeah i like Okay, I, I whatever. I'll take that paycheck. I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, that's right. what he's thinking. Yeah, the actress uh, Diana Venora. I think that's how you pronounce mm-hmm. her. I think so. Venora. Venora. Yeah, and uh, I just remember her from Heat. Oh, word. Yeah, she's the wife of um, Al Pacino's character. Uh, she's she's acted quite a bit, you know, stage, theater, movies, everything television she's been going for a really long time you know we do see a lot of male nudity in this pretty incredible uh we don't see any female nudity so i was like wow look at this 1981 film i I was rooting for it um i definitely didn't ever want to know what albert finney's butt looked like but now that i (laughs) now that i do i don't necessarily feel better for it but i'm glad the movie went for it (laughs) yeah i was trying to figure out are we looking at Daddy Warbucks butt or um, a stunt butt? Because I noticed they didn't show his face. I think it was a stunt butt. Either way, <laughs> I didn't need it. Um, but uh, yeah, Edward James almost is just naked the whole movie. He's just running around naked. And uh, I'm all for that. I love uh, I love some uh, male nudity in a horror movie. It's it's nice for a change. <laughs> yeah, what I felt what I thought was hilarious in this is they almost looked at at one time they were trying to hide the old twig and berries. Yes. But then he starts jumping around and standing up and I'm like, wait, so you're not what's going on here? I I totally agree. I (laughs) totally agree that first I was like, oh, they're not going to they're not. It's like in shadows or whatever. And then, yeah, later on, they're just like, here it is. And it's like, oh, okay, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I mean, I didn't expect it, but Totally cool with it. Yeah, I'm all for it. More male nudity in horror movies. Uh, More nudity all around. Everybody should be naked in all these movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it made me old man laugh. (laughs) I'm just like, I've been smoking for years. Uh, Uh, Except for Albert Finney. I don't want to see his butt anymore. I'm good. I've seen it once. I can check that off my bucket list. I don't need to see it anymore. (laughs) No, you've already said... Everyone needs to be nude. You know, you got to live it. You just got to live with it, man. You made yep. a decision. Stick with it. Yep. Yeah. Double. I can't down. make any. I can't make any exceptions. So yeah, we're, I guess all for one and one for all. Right. <laughs> it's going to be a very awkward 2021 uh, film release. It's like the nude edition. <laughs> I didn't want to see all these people nude. Blame Matt. It's all Matt's fault. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, so, you know, they're going through, they're trying to solve this mystery. It's kind of cool to see kind of like the predator, like vision of these wolves, uh, definitely much better in predator. They 
you know, improved it. But, you know, this is kind of like the beginning of it. You got to start somewhere with this. Kind of felt like a Photoshop filter at one time. But I'm cool with that. You know, you're experimenting. I like it. Respect where you came from. You know, this is the movie that kind of put that thermal uh, viewing kind of on the map. So, you know, yeah. respect the elders, I guess. But yeah, I agree. It does like look better and stuff like Predator and anything later. But it, it's interesting here in like a kind of analog sort of way. Yeah, man. One thing I noticed about this film is the sweeping shots. Man, there there is a lot of setting up the environment of where they're at. Now, these like run down buildings and wherever the hell we are in New York is kind of incredible to see because as first of all, I'm sure every anyone who's checking out places to shoot just looks at that and like we can do whatever the f- whatever we want here. This is amazing. Yeah, they really took advantage of sort of that 1980s early 80s urban decay that was like a thing like they really really took advantage of it here they even is this i'm getting my movies that i've watched confused is this the movie they blow up a building at the beginning too is that this one where they they blow Uh, they were not demolishing they were demolishing a building yeah so they even do that at the beginning and they were able to do it for real so um yeah yeah, it's just it and it's all because this evil guy that or not evil, but greaseball guy that got killed at the beginning is going to level all these decaying buildings and put up a new shiny, you know, gross Mick skyscraper, basically <laughs> Mick skyscraper. Um, but uh, the wolves, that's their natural territory and they are opposed to that building. And that is how sort of this mystery begins to unfold. But the wolves actually aren't there. They're spirit wolves. <laughs> and they were describing, uh, you know, the zoologist was describing all this. And the thing I think he said was the wolves there are extinct. They went the way of the dodo. But I think he also said so did the Native Americans. And I was like, wait, what? The Native Americans are extinct from the Northeast? I think, uh, yeah, I think it was just worded weird because I think what he was trying to say is they were pushed out. Because the wolf yeah. also, he says, isn't extinct. That's just only in the Colorado Rockies yeah. or whatever. Um, and it doesn't come into the city. So I think what he was trying to say is they've been like the Native Americans and the wolves both have been pushed out of New York. Yeah. And I just don't think that was clear. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't pick up because when I heard the word extinction, I guess what he meant, that they're extinct from that area. But yes. you really shouldn't use the word extinction for that. You're right. It's like, oh, they were pushed out. They're no longer in this region. Mm hmm. Don't right. use the extinction word. It's confusing. Uh, so, yeah, it was worded weird. But yeah. I'm glad that that was Tom Noonan again. Uh, he, I think he's really good as this kind of quiet, weird guy that just loves wolves and just calls fires in for no reason. <laughs> like, what a yeah. weird guy. <laughs> what was that about? I, I didn't get it. I thought he was like creating a distraction and then he's dead. I think they were just saying like he was just a weird guy yeah. because I think that was uh, supposed to be another red herring moment. I think they were like, oh, he's calling it. Why is he calling it this thing? And then he goes out at night and you're like, oh, is he the wolf? Because I definitely thought it too then. I was like, oh, 
got to be him. And then he and then as soon as he goes out, then he gets attacked. And I'm like, ah, it's not him now. And then later they're like, yeah, he was on his way home. His mom said he never came home. And I'm like, oh, he's just calling that in because he's a weird fucking dude. (laughs) And of course, he lives with his mom. Right. (laughs) Which I also loved. It's not all over the place. Surprisingly, it feels very cohesive. There's just stuff in here. uh, Just speed it up. But yeah, I I liked him too. Uh, Tom Noonan. You can definitely just see why he was in so much. And, you know, I'll always remember him for the last action hero bad guy. I mean, he's just freaking awesome. And, of course, Kane in RoboCop 2, which we did last week. But you can see why people love to use him. I He is in so many of my, my favorite movies. You know, Last Action Hero. He's in uh, House of the Devil. He's in Monster Squad. You know, he's in such great stuff. Oh, yes. Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Oh, Manhunter, sure. where this almost feels like an extension of the Manhunter character because he was the weird guy that like lived at home and, you know, worked at his uh, where he was doing the photography development in Manhunter. This one, he's a zoologist. It feels almost like an extension of that character. Yeah. One of the things that was sad in this movie was when he was watching the wolves get shot down from a helicopter. That was the most disturbing part in this entire film for me hunting footage not my thing i don't like that kind of stuff either it didn't bother me as much i guess in this movie since it was just sort of passed over it didn't linger too much on it but like yeah i don't love that stuff either i could never watch like hunting videos well it was the hunting for sport that it looked like like if you're hunting to get them out of an environment because they're like destroying it for some reason fine i get it if you're hunting for food i totally get it but when it was hunting for sport like that and they were showing off their kill, not I, I hate that shit. Yeah. Hate it. Yeah. That is I never like that crap. And that's what it looked like. Yeah, no, exactly. They just look like jerks that were just shooting it for no reason. You know? Yeah. Uh but yeah, it 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 is uh it was definitely unfortunate we just kind of popped up in the movie here but it's quick at least yeah yeah it's just like one of those things where i was like okay because it's the only thing that reminds me of real life the rest i'm like native american spirit wolves yeah (laughs) okay all right that's interesting i've never seen that before so i give kudos it's like all right and i think the way the way they handled it i think is good because it it sounds like such a abstract concept. And I think the way they did it worked within the movie. They are spirit wolves, but like they are affecting the world because those guys that get killed by the wolves die. The guy at the end who gets his hand ripped off does have his, you know, they may be spirit, but they are affecting Mm -hmm. the world around them. And I think the way they presented it works where it makes sense to the viewing audience, even though it's such an abstract concept. I see. I think this works better as a book, which it was. And I think that's why so many of these like side characters like Baldy and Ferguson. I remember their names, you know, like they're such interesting side characters. Uh, I knew his name was Dewey. It is. It's very novel like Mm -hmm. we've seen plenty of these. You know, man is no longer a part of nature. You have your technology, but you're you know, like we get this old Native American telling us about how the way we're living our life is awful. These great hunters became your scavengers. Your garbage, your abandoned people became their new meat animal. Their own animals? 
Are you sure, Wilson? They might be gods. In their eyes, you are the savage. You got your technology, but you lost. You lost your senses. But I also find that hilarious that he's like smoking and drinking himself to death in the corner of a bar. I'm like, uh, yeah, but you're not living too good a life. That's what I always find funny about these. And I understand what they're saying. I totally do. I just find it always funny when like an old man who's like, you're wasting your life. Is also wasting his life. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) His excuse is it's already too late. We're already too far gone. So yeah. But yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Hilarious. The love story here is one thing where I just don't like it. This kind of reminds me of the fog. Randomly, they're just sleeping together. Yes, absolutely. That is exactly how it goes because they're working together. They're partners. There's chemistry there that is like partner chemistry, not like lover chemistry. And then all of a sudden they're having sex. And I'm like, what? How this? How did this escalate so quickly? <laughs> Same exact thing as the fog. Same. Good call yeah. on that one. <laughs> I was just like, what are we doing here? They had one line a flirtation and i don't even know if you'd consider it flirting he was just like i had a dream i think he said he had a dream that he was hunting a rabbit but the rabbit went down a hole and he goes what do you think that means and she says i don't know something about sex was that flirting and then he's like do you want me to drive you home she goes not tonight yeah what? maybe gently is this is this 80s flirting <laughs> early know. 80s late 70s flirting <laughs> at least tom atkins would be more like hey Want to go to my place and sleep together? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and then no one can resist Tom Atkins. He's a man of action. Well, you can't resist Albert Finney apparently either here. So. Apparently. <laughs> Albert Finney to me is the guy you go drinking with. Tom yes. Atkins is the guy you go drinking with looking for women. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Albert Finney's the guy who's like, I'm going to cry into my uh, you know shot of whiskey here. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You don't go. He's not your wingman. No. <laughs> yeah, but it is perfect that I could see you. You know, you could go drinking with Albert Finney when Tom Watts is in the bar. I was like, everything makes sense in this magical world they just made up. <laughs> uh, except the sex that they had. That was weird. Yeah, it just it came out of nowhere. Uh, it really did. It was quite surprising, and really in the movie, within the confines of the movie, even too, because it's like he's there's a scene where he's like trying to get away from the wolf, and then goes to her apartment, scares the shit out of her, and then they're naked. And I'm like, wait, what? How did this? <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's definitely a lot cut out here. I just cut out the whole damn thing. He, you know, he helps her go to the next day where he's still searching for the wolf and you know he goes hunting after the wolf which then that's how we lose uh gregory hines character which i was sad about i oh liked yeah i didn't him. i didn't want to see him go i liked him a lot he was a great sidekick but like the sidekick always bites it so of course but i was sad to see him go and a black nerd sidekick no way you're not gonna make it yeah, exactly. But he made it all the way to the end, which was good. We were talking about cutting that scene, though, the sex scene. Did you notice when he left, the guy was riding Tom Noonan's scooter in front of the apartment? No. There was like a drunk guy or bum or something, whatever, uh, that was out in front of her apartment 
when Albert Finney leaves the next day. And that night is when the Tom Noonan character gets killed. So the next day he comes out and outside out front, there's a drunk guy trying to ride the scooter that Tom Noonan drove away on. So I thought that was clever. I thought that was fun. Okay, I missed that. And the wolves probably brought it over there. You know, they were fucking around with him. And then, yeah, some drunk guy just found it in the morning was playing with it. It's funny. Uh, Uh, But yeah, no, uh, we get to the end there and we lose Gregory Hines, just very sad when they're doing the stakeout. Uh, I love when he before he bites it, when he opens the beer and it's super loud in his uh, microphone (laughs) when he's listening in on their stakeout. Yeah, he seemed like he was terrible to bring along to a stakeout. He's like chomping on chips, doesn't know how to use the equipment or at least isn't careful with the equipment, is talking the whole time. And Albert Finney's just like, asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, he mooned him. Yeah. (laughs) To, uh, you know, we get this whole warning in the bar. Uh, We exhibition drop uh, to explain this entire movie that we've been watching. And then he's got to go defeat the spirit wolves. And it turns out if you just destroy the plans, you know, all these architectural plans, the the wolves are like, cool. We can be friends. (laughs) Bye. They just want their land back. They just want to be free to have have their uh, original nesting grounds. And once you destroy the plans to build the new skyscraper or whatever, they're good with you then. Uh, it was a pretty tense scene, though. I liked when like the wolves are in that high rise or whatever in there or that penthouse apartment, whatever it is. And they're uh, all surrounding them and they have the mirrors on the wall. I thought that scene was pretty tense and cool. No, yeah, it is. And then they're making all the strange sounds. Yeah, the like hunting animal sounds. I don't know what mm-hmm. that was. Uh, oh, you're talking about the mirror scene. I'm sorry, I skipped to the bar. Uh, I was, I went back in the past to the bar because I thought two scenes were really cool for the background perspective: the Native American bar scene, and yeah, the weird, super rich Manhattan apartment scene. Yeah, both of those. Both of those like and and I think it's paralleling because it's the Native Americans and the wolves and they're both doing sort of their hunting kind of sounds and stuff like that. Yeah. So then it's a neat parallel. Mm-hmm. What is up with this whole Native Americans working on bridges? It must have been an 80s thing. I don't know. It must have been a thing of the time. Uh, yeah, because I did not get that at all. All right. So that uh, closes out the the film, basically. Uh, so. All right, Matt, you probably know what I'm going to say, but do you suggest this film? I liked it. I thought it was good. I I didn't think it was like the best ever or anything, and I I think it's slow in parts. But that aside, I thought it was a fun mystery thing. I think the wolves looked cool. Uh, I think there was some good gore in it. I like the performances are really good. When it's not boring, it is super watchable and fun. I I just think it could be trimmed a little bit. But other than that, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, but it is boring, and I did not like it. Uh, you, <laughs> said you sold it as a, not you, they sold it as a werewolf movie. It's not a werewolf movie. It's a boring movie that had moments of cool detective-y kind of stuff, thriller, mystery, but you didn't sell it that way. Don't trick me. I don't like it. I don't like it when they do it. No one, not many audience members. <laughs> I mean, who goes into a movie is like, oh, I thought this was going to be a horror film. This isn't a horror film really at all. I mean, it's got horrific moments. It's not. It's a thriller, mystery thriller. Sell it like that. Don't force feed me 
werewolf stuff and it's not werewolves at all. There's no werewolves in this. It's a it's a it's a wolf movie, not a werewolf movie, I guess. Yeah, but uh, I, I think so much of it for me, it works. So I liked it. it I, I agree. It is kind of a bait and switch, but uh, I think what they are giving you is entertaining enough that I, I forgive it. But that's no, just me. Suck it, Orion and Warner Brothers. <laughs> Don't you trick me. Ugh. But I did like the performances. So there are some good things in here. Let's go to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back, good or bad. This will close out our Orion wing. Now, it won't be the last Orion film, of course. Not completely closing it, but you know. We got to add the last one here. This is tough for me. Uh, So maybe I'll let you go first so I can piggyback off you. (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to put in here. Yeah, I'm not certain either. Of course, when you first we first kind of pivoted into the museum here, my first thought was put Albert Finney's butt in there, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Well, you could always put someone's Wang Dang in the museum. Yeah, that's true. But uh, no, I'm going to just say that uh, I liked the the villain i like the i like the idea of these indian spirit wolves because it's different i like the original idea of a different way to do like kind of a wolf thing and i think having it be a little mystical like this is interesting it's different from the other stuff yes it's kind of a bait and switch which sucks but at least what they're giving you is something that we haven't seen a thousand times before Mm -hmm. so i i'm gonna give it the cleverness of sort of the villains yeah, I think mine's going to be a lump of coal, but I don't know how to put it in because, like, I don't like it when films sell a monster flick and it's not a monster flick. Yeah. No, I think that's just, I think that's fair as that. I think that's a good yeah. mismarketing. It's mismarketing. I don't know. I, in the in the museum, when you walk in, you'll see all these wolf pictures and they'll just have a naked picture of Edward Olmos, you know? Be <laughs> like, oh, you didn't know? This is a snuff film. Like, come on. <laughs> Don't trick me. Babe, that was a little extreme. Okay, snuff film, it's not that. But you know what I mean? It's like, I wanted a monster flick. You tricked me. Yeah, I get it. I get your disappointment in it. I get it. Yeah. You know, we'll try to make an hour here. You know, that's how we do it. Uh, Maybe we'll be under. So let's talk about a new one. I finally watched Birds of Prey from March. It had been a really long time since this movie had come out, and I finally got to watch it. I liked it. I had I hadn't heard much about this. I had heard a few people kind of say like, "Oh, it's a feminist movie," and I was like, "I okay, I don't care. <laughs> I just want to watch a fun movie." And I watched it. I liked it. There were some things I wasn't a huge fan of. I didn't like the Huntress. I, I know a lot of people didn't, or, or a lot of people liked the Huntress. I wasn't a big fan of her because I don't think she was used enough. But I liked Rosie Perez's character. Even though she kind of seemed like the, I don't know if you ne- you needed her. I don't know. But I, as a group, I like the Birds of Prey. I've fucking adored this movie. I've, I've already watched it again since it came on HBO. So I've seen it twice now. I, I just think it's a blast. I just love it. I think it captures all the stuff I love about the Batman franchise. Like not just the movie franchise, but just the franchise as a whole of comics, TV, 
and uh, animated movies and everything. I, I think it captures the spirit of Batman perfectly, even though Batman's not in it at all. Uh, the Gotham City vibe or whatever. Uh, I I just loved it. I love the characters. I love the colors. I love the punky attitude. I love the soundtrack. Ewan McGregor steals that movie. Uh, he runs away with that movie. He's so over the top and scenery chewing. It's so fun. I loved it. I can't wait to watch it again. The only problem is I find him almost like a poor man's Joker. And that's no offense to him. It's the character. You know, he owns a bar. He's a dirty, seedy character of the Batman world. I get it. But at least he took that character, which I was not that excited about, and made it fun to watch. I think that's what he can do. You could just give him any characters. He's going to play it and it's going to be great. Yeah, he's going to bring it to life somehow because sometimes he'll underplay it. Sometimes he'll play it big like here. It works anytime. I think you McGregor is a treasure. So, <laughs> yeah, I think he did a fun job with this. Funny you mentioned Joker. Wolfen, the poster, is at the end of Joker when they do the Batman scene at the end of Joker. Oh, is it? Yeah, the poster outside the movie theater, the movie they were going to see is Wolfen in, in Joker. Oh, okay. So Joker takes place in 1981? Yeah. Wow. What a link. Specifically July of 1981, because that's when this movie came out, and it's set during the summer. So we huh. can track that it was set during July of 81, even though it never explicitly says. Wow. You know what? That's a good job. That That is uh, that's fun when they put details like that in there. Yes. It's nice. Really paying attention to the small stuff. But getting back to this film, I'm glad they never showed the Joker. Nope, didn't need to. It's not his movie. No, keep him out. Harley Quinn is broken up with the Joker, so you got to talk about him. Just keep him out of there. And I'm glad they did. I, I thought this was fun. You know, it's tough to get away with the film that has this type of character for a long period of time. I mean, in the cartoon or comic, it's easier because it's short bursts. And I do understand some people complaining that Harley Quinn's annoying. I took it. That's the whole point. I just think she's watchable, too. She's just even if she's doing something that's crazy or annoying or whatever, she's watching. She's so invested in that character. She's great. Yeah, she's really going for it. Uh, I think she plays this wonderful. Uh, I do like that they got her out of those short shorts that they had in the first movie. Uh, and then let her play into more costumes. Yeah, that was so smart. It was exactly the way that character needed to go. Like the objectification of her in the first one is stupid. I think it's necessary, unfortunately. Is is I think it's the character in Suicide Squad, but I'm glad they evolved the character. She's still dressing kinky, sexy, whatever you want to call it, but it just felt more like the character's choice. Right. I Suicide Squad had so many problems. I wasn't for the like, oh, you know, why are they putting her in that type of outfit? Shameful look. I was more like, damn, that shit's got to be cold. That is not someone who would go into a fight. They ain't wearing that crap. That was my whole point of mm. view. Like she was signing up to be objectified in that movie. But she also knew that I'm going to, I think, she took that and I'm going to spin this character into something eventually because I think she just has that kind of pool and she's that good of an actress. And she did. Yeah. Good for and it her. worked. And it, when it worked, I think I think it worked. Flawlessly. Yeah, no, no one no one takes a Harley Quinn character and should be shocked that they're dressing sexy. 
I kind of think that was kind of overblown. Yeah, the whole outrage about it. Yeah, that yeah. didn't. I agree. I agree for the most part that yeah, it was way better in Birds of Prey, but I think it was the character. I think that was what they were trying to do with the character in Suicide Squad, and I didn't like it. But like, I don't think that it should be like canceled because of it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the only reason Suicide Squad should have been canceled was because of Suicide Squad. Yeah, because of the movie itself, <laughs> uh, which uh, is going to be fun to see the next one. The, the only sad thing about it is James Gunn's only doing one. It's probably going to be fucking amazing. And I get to watch it on my TV at home and I cannot wait. <laughs> Part of that HBO deal. So I'm excited. I'm starting to get to the point where I don't really care about going to the theater for 80% of films. I want to see the Star Wars in the theater. I want to see a few other things in the theater. The rest of it, I just want to watch at home. And I really worry that the theaters were dying anyway can they can they survive this yeah they will uh because we may lose some of the conglomerate multiplexes but the independent theaters are never going to go away they're always going to have something to show they're always going to be able to either show older movies or the newer stuff because people will come out for movies that are movie theaters that are you know kind of in their community like I think of like the Davis and the Logan uh, in Chicago, like the, those community theaters where everybody that lives around there goes there all the time. I think mom and pop theaters are going to make it the single screens. They're going to be fine, I think, because it were not the, the 30 screen ones, you know, like the big AMCs that have like 30 screens. Those are the ones that are going to be in trouble as there's more stuff on streaming yeah. and less. But that's fine. I don't need those in my life. I just, I would, you know, I prefer the single screen theaters. So, um, yeah, I always go to the Davis theater by us here in Chicago. I love that type of setup, but you know, going to the big massive ones anymore. I don't know. I just don't miss it. I think that's the biggest thing. I miss the Davis theater, a small theater by us in Chicago. I don't miss the big one at all. At all. I miss of the big ones. I miss like the gimmicky ones. I miss being able to go see something in IMAX or the Atmos. You know, I miss those. But like a a small screen theater in a multiplex to see like a kind of indie, like mid-level thing. I can just watch it at home. (laughs) I can totally just watch it at home now. I don't I don't need to see uh, Well, the next the next HBO thing, for example, like the Denzel jared leto murder mystery that's coming out this month i think it's called the little things is a movie i'd like to see but i don't need to see that in theater so i'm exactly. glad that hbo is gonna put that on so i can watch it out <laughs> but any of these superhero films or these big action films i want to see in the theater oh yeah the next star wars or whatever yeah yeah i want to see that in theaters for sure i i hope it changes where like these smaller and i think it already has with the netflix and all this and streaming uh, yeah, the smaller films, we get more of them, more interesting scripts, more interesting performances or just something wacky. We get them because they can come straight to our house. Keep the generic. I'm not even going to say generic. Keep the more general audience, big, bombastic films in the theater. I, I kind of want it to just go that way. And I, I think that fortunately is exactly where we're headed because yeah. like the mom and pop theaters are still going to play Avengers. You know what I mean? They're still going to be there. So and they're still going to get Steve buying the popcorn and everyone looking at him like, you know, that's a ripoff. Like, leave me alone. I like the buttered popcorn. <laughs> 
Man, the Davis and the Logan both have such good popcorn. Yeah. I miss it so much. <laughs> but you are correct. I am overpaying for popcorn. Yes, yes, very much so. But damn it, I work to do that. That's right. I'm already, I already spending my money on the ticket. Fuck it. I'm going to get candy and popcorn too because I want to be comfortable and I want to enjoy myself during the movie. <laughs> and I don't mind overpaying at theaters like that one. Davis Theater. Actually, I still think it's cheaper at the Davis Theater to get popcorn and soda than it is at these huge, huge AMCs. It is. And you know your money is going to keep it open. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's and what that's I'm saying. fine by like, me. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll pay for a ticket. I'll I'll pay for your popcorn. Just please stay open because I love yes. you guys. Yeah, because I want to just keep coming here. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, any other film we want to talk about, or should we just shut it off? Uh, no, that's all I got. Like I said, I rewatched Birds of Prey recently again too, and man, love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, this is a good one. I, I didn't get all the criticisms from it. Um, I I do get the criticisms of Wonder Woman 1984. I was part of them. But this one, I was a little surprised. I liked it a lot. And I was I was surprised in February, too, when it came out, uh, uh, how much I liked it as well. Because, you know, DC, you kind of got to you never know what you're going to get with DC. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a complete mystery. Exactly. Yeah, mystery is a good word for it. <laughs> Because really, it's true. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> nope. I think that's why Marvel does so well, is you get a very consistent, you know. You know exactly what yeah. you're going to get with that. <laughs> well, it's like average at worst. And according to most people, freaking amazing at best. You know what I mean? Like the, right. the floor is high with with Warner Brothers. The ceiling and floor are just dramatically different. <laughs> It's just like the worst could be, you know, like sleeping with a monster in the basement. And the best is, you know, the Joker Oscar winning in a way. I'm like, mm -hmm. this is nuts. You guys are yeah. so all over the place. And the, that crapshoot, I think, is why I'm more of a DC guy anyway, because it's like, well, if it's terrible, whatever. But like, surprise me, do something, you know, like get a reaction out of me. The Marvel things, I'm like in a coma the whole time. So, <laughs> OK, I like the Marvel movies more than you, but I get what you're saying. Yes, we've gone through this for years and I love it. <laughs> it's a it's a constant. Yeah, uh, but no more three hour films, Marvel. I get it. I get it. You earned it. You put together this universe, do whatever you want at the end. I'm not sitting through these anymore. I remember so badly needing to pee during the end game. And I'm like, I, can't, I don't know if I'm going to make it, guys. I don't know if I make it. And then I think my body shut down and I made it. <laughs> <laughs> the body's like, well, you know, you've, you've just lost like one month of your life because that's how we got to do this. That's how we trade. I'm like, okay. I've never rewatched the end game since I liked infinity. I'm such a weird one because I like the infinity war more. I never rewatch any of those. That's another thing. It's like, I'll always go back to the DC ones. I like and watch them over and over. But like Marvel, it's like, even if I like kind of like it, like a Thor movie or something like that, like, I'll watch it and be like, yeah, I liked it. But then I never watch it again. Yeah. I just, I couldn't get over the time travel thing in the end game. I still have like beef with that. Like, wow, you figured out time travel in a couple minutes. I get it. It's a long movie. We don't have time to stick on this. I do completely understand. But it's also 
a sci-fi trope in scripts. Uh, and the hardest thing to do in this movie, figured it out. Let's move on. It, the problem is, it's just like Marvel does it. It's not a problem. At least Marvel does it really, really well. Somehow they do things like that. And it's like so passable. And no one complains about it except me. Yeah, I don't know about that. I, <laughs> I, I don't like any of that stuff either. I hate when shit's like just so easily figured out after, yeah, like three hours of needing to figure it out. And it's like, ah, come on. Be a little kinder to your audience. And I think that is why I don't rewatch them because once the surprise element is taken out of it, once you know what's going to happen in the end game, you're like, okay, <laughs> I know they figured it all out at the end. And it's just like, okay, I don't know. I think that takes yeah. away from the rewatchability of it. I, I mean, I've, I've rewatched the first Avengers probably 10 times. I, I just really like that film. I love it. I really like that one too. I like the first one. I, I, my problem with the Marvel ones is what they've become. The first wave of those I like. Man, oh, Mar- the first the, Iron Man? Still love. I like the Hulk. I like the Hulk a lot. The Edward Norton one. Uh, I like the first Captain. I, I'm the I'm the weird one that only really likes the first Captain America. I don't really care I for like the other I like the first two. Captain America, too. Yeah, the first wave of those are fun. I just hate what they became. Yeah, whatever. I, I have the ones I really, really like, and I rewatch, and then there's other ones I don't. And uh, I think we're all like that. That's fine. Whatever. If you don't, if you love Marvel and you think it's the greatest thing ever, cool. Yeah, I'm not mad at you. (laughs) I'm just frustrated that that's all we can get like out of the studios right now. I'm not mad at the people that like it, though. (laughs) I'm glad they found something they like. Well, just don't give us any more of the original Suicide Squad because I don't want to see that shit. Nobody does. (laughs) James Gunn will save us as usual. (laughs) And James Gunn, we trust. Yes. Now, those are Marvel movies that I love. Yes. The Guardians. Oh, my gosh. Movies. Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I've seen Guardians of the Galaxy more than anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the one I've seen the most, too, for sure. Yeah. So give me more of that, that trauma, baby. Yes. <laughs> anyway, that'll end it this week. Thanks for listening to our Orion Month. And remember to be kind. And rewind.